AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. The Minnesota Women's Press has been sharing the voices and visions of women since eight, uh, 1985, 1985 as one of the longest continuously run feminist platforms, print and digital, in the U.S. with award-winning photography and website. Joining us right now to talk about this publication is the publisher and editor for them. It's Mickey Morissette. She's kind enough to take some time today to talk about the uh, Minnesota Women's Press. Mickey, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Well, thank you, Matt. It's nice to talk to you. It's an absolute it's an absolute privilege to chat with you. Uh first of all, let me let me let's talk about this because obviously this is a bit of a historic uh organization. This 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 uh, outlet here. The fact that it's been going since 1985, and really, when you think about—I I mean, I'm—I'm, I'm, you know, a generation uh, Xer kind of guy. The fact that this has been running since 1985 is incredibly impressive. Uh, it is actually, yeah. The, it started in 1985 because the owners at the time realized that women were tended to be on the lifestyle page. Yes, and when they and when they started, uh, people said it was never going to last. Um, that there would be no way to sustain it. Um, so the fact that it did continue, and it's now the longest continuously run feminist publication in the country. Ms. of course, had come prior to that, but didn't stay publishing. Um, so, yeah, we have a very unique uh, uh, history. Well, and, and by the way, we should mention, you are by trains. You are kind enough today to join us. You're, you're out on the West Coast right now, right? <laughs> I am. Sorry if you heard the train in the background. Yes, I am. Uh, my son is a sophomore in college, and I'm here to help him settle into his apartment. So I am calling from uh, Eugene, Oregon. Beautiful Eugene, Oregon, uh, as the name dictates. Uh, well, congratulations. Well, first of all, congratulations on him. That's a great place to go to college. I love being out in Oregon. It's a great state. And so it, I, I really do appreciate that you taking time out of your personal time to talk with us about the Minnesota Women's Press. Let's talk a little bit about the focus of it. What you know? What what makes it unique in in, in the in the stories and the messages that you bring out? Yeah, there's a couple things I'm really proud of, and I myself bought the magazine five years ago. It's I'm the third I'm the third owner. The two previous pairs had each run it for very long periods of time. So I just came in five years ago, but the thing I love about it, I came from a long history of journalism and worked in New York City magazine publishing for a while. What I love about this is that, one, we really do first-person narratives, which is very unique. We especially work with marginalized voices who tell their own stories in their own ways. We don't tend to send too many reporters into communities to, to get a couple quotes and tell people's stories for them. So I love that about it. It's very honest and real and often raw. Um, and we're very social justice focused. So we've been doing ongoing series on uh, reducing gender-based violence, uh, reimagining public safety, transforming justice, a couple other things that um, are, as you know, uh, long-simmering issues. And one of the things that really struck me during the pandemic, I had a chance to um, go through the archives of our magazine um, and saw how much the issues from 1985 and the 90s are very similar to what they are today, the same abortion debates, reproductive justice issues, um, and gender-based violence certainly has not gone away. So 
I thought rather than kind of drop in and out of these topics, we would start doing sustained coverage. So that's one of the big things that we've been doing this past year as part of a new offshoot called Changemakers Alliance. There is this mentality, and it's an, and if I can be blunt, it's an ignorant mentality that an, organ, uh, an outlet like yours is not needed because, oh, we've changed. And we haven't because although your point about 1985 where women's issues were on the lifestyle page or not talked about at all, today – it's not, you know, there might be a little bit more, but the equity is still not there, and it's not being reported. And the mere fact we're in this whole post-row world that we're in just shows you a bunch of white, you know, Republicans dictating, mm-hmm. white male Republicans dictating what women can and cannot do. It just shows you that we need Minnesota Women's Press to present these stories and these issues just as much as they did back in 1985, if not more today, because clearly these things are not getting, you know, the the change is not happening nearly as fast as we need it to happen. Yeah, uh, it's it's the gender issues, and it's also certainly the racial issues. We had stories in the publication decades ago when things were going on in Los Angeles after Rodney King. Um, people here were talking about the fact that black people were being incarcerated at much higher rates. Um, people were talking about the, you know, the drug issues and people being criminalized and housing, affordable housing issues. So yeah, there are gender issues, there's racial issues, there's economic issues, and none of them have had sustained, um, sustained changes to them. We kind of do, do these cycles, as you know, of, of up and down, paying attention, changing something, going back, reverting back, backlash. Um, so one of the other things that was interesting to me is that decades ago, we had two things that we're kind of reinventing now. One was ethnic studies curriculum for Minnesota was the first in the nation to pass the fact that we would mandate ethnic studies curriculum. Well, then it got pushed back and it didn't happen. And now it's back again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But Minnesota was the first to try to do that once upon a time. And there was so much pushback. Um, and the other thing that has resurfaced is, well, certainly the fact that, um, Supreme Court back in the 90s, 92, was looking at the abortion laws and people were getting very upset about how this might come down. So there's a lot of different things. Um, but the other thing that I thought was interesting from a few decades ago was related to the fact that, um, we were, um, still struggling with, um, how to handle mental illness and addictions without incarcerating. Um, and we've obviously not solved that very well either. So, yeah, I will bring, a lot. I'll bring up the fact that we've only recently, much to our detriment as a society, dealt with missing and murdered Native American women, missing oh, and yeah. murdered black women. And we now are taking this seriously that, wait a second here, people are disappearing and dying and we're not taking this seriously. And the reality yeah. is, it's it's, it's it, 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 there's another you know thing right obvious in our face that it's it's taking us this long just to say, oh yeah, you know, Native American, African American women disappearing or being murdered. Well, that's not good. We should probably stop that. And and so <laughs> I, I, I think that it it is kind of remarkable to me 
that and and it's not and, and to a point I, I think that there's this idea with the me too movement that we've kind of kind of started bringing awareness to this but we still have such a long way to go to get true mm-hmm. equity when it comes to the, the the whether gender issues and and, and is particularly with women i mean we still don't have equal pay for goodness sakes and that one blows my yeah. mind yeah yeah it is it is very disheartening that I, I would say it's very disheartening to be able to to look at these things. I was just in Worthington a few weeks ago talking to about twenty five members of the community there all almost all immigrants and the things that they go through are things that you would have thought we would have gotten past a few decades ago, but of course we have not um uh, very very racist comments uh very marginalized sense of community very marginalized um um, economic status of the city, um, city council that doesn't reflect what they need. So all of that is to say that we do have a lot of things that people are disheartened by. But the thing I love, again, going back to what we are doing, the thing that I love about the um, stories that we do are um, we're really talking to the people who are trying to make solutions. And the fact that they're trying to organize together. That's why we call it Changemakers Alliance. We had a woman from Wilmer who had been part of organizing uh, uh, immigrant communities in particular there. She came to Worthington, which was a few hours away. She listened to what they said. They said, this is this is very much a, a greater Minnesota kind of issue. Um, she said, I'm happy to help and bring together some of the things that we learned in our organizing techniques. You have to stay, you have to support each other, you have to stay hopeful, and most importantly, you have to do things as groups because that's what happens is when we're kind of isolated, we get shut down. Mm-hmm. So people just chop you off at the head, and you do have to do uh, the community building, and sh- and I do think that that's something we are doing a little bit better maybe than we were before. We've still had a lot of divisions, even in the women's movement, along, along racial uh, lines, and I don't think we've solved all of that, but I do think there's a better sense, especially with the young organizers today, yeah. and the fact that you have to collaborate with everybody. You bring everybody to the table together, less siloed. It's not perfect, but I do think it seems to be headed in the right direction from, uh, from that standpoint. I've got two generation Zers and uh, girls, uh, and, well, women. Mm. And bluntly, they're tired of our crap. You know, they 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 basically yeah. <laughs> they are tired of our crap. If if there's yep. one great thing about our society right now is I see a young generation coming out here who are like, okay, fine, we were waiting for you guys to fix them. You're not going to fix it. We're going to fix it. And so it yep. gives me hope that there is going to be a change coming here soon. Yep, and I think it's indicative. We have a story coming up in our November issue of a, with a young woman talking about the gender fluidity, which is not something that they just invented it's just that it's kind of ridiculous she says the fact that we have been so focused on things being in certain areas and certain categories um that it's just kind of more of a natural progress in the progression that we're going back to things that even she she traced back decades i mean hundreds of years ago mesopotamium for heaven's sakes also had some gender fluidity to it that we've had two spirits forever um so so part of it is just being able to get away from maybe what was in the 1950s the sense after the wars of just keeping things kind of clean and structured mm-hmm. <laughs> and realizing that that doesn't serve anybody because we're not a clean and structured society and, and we're very much a blend and so therefore we need a lot more fluidity in, in who we're communicating with so but it's yeah 
publisher, publisher and editor for the Minnesota Women's Press is uh, Mickey Morissette. She's kind enough to join us here to talk about this today. Uh, let, well, let's talk about your current issue. Let's, uh, what, are, what are some of the things you're focusing on right now? Yeah, uh, we actually just did our September issue uh, that just has passed now. It was about labor and organizing. So we had Veronica Mendez from Setul did a big story in there about how very much what we were just talking about, the fact that you do collaborative organizing, you do things that involve other groups that are working for similar goals. You don't all have to have the same goals, but you have to do things collaboratively beyond your own organization. That was pretty powerful. The current issue, October, has uh, Senator Mary Kanesh on it, and she very much was talking about the fact that the ethnic studies curriculum, again, has just kind of gotten renewed interest, but what the natural pushback there is still um, and then in that, to kind of reiterate what she talks about is the fact that we're not taught a lot of things about Minnesota's own past. And yeah. we have a very deep story in there from three of the women that started the Duluth Memorial, it created a Duluth Memorial related to the lynching that happened there in 1920. All three of them grew up in the area and were never taught about the fact that there was a lynching in 1920. It wasn't that long ago. Um, and so they're trying to be more mindful of having people aware of the fact that this has happened, this happened in the community and, uh, you know, that again, it's not so distant. Um, so, so very proud of some of the stories in that issue. And then we're currently working on the November issue, which is about youth well-being, very focused on the foster care system. And I also did an interview with the uh, Hennepin County Attorney General, Marin Moriarty, about juvenile justice reform. Um, you know, we know there's pushback there, too. Um, so, so it's always for me, it's been fascinating to, to find the people who are really trying to change systems and do it collaboratively. And again, that's kind of where I see a lot of hope. Um, so, um, so it's all very it's it's a lot of fun. Let's it's, talk. It's a struggle, though. <laughs> well, then let's get into that because this is. I mean, you are in a day and an age where, I mean, I used to get. 40 magazines per month. You know, I mean, we used to get all these magazines. Keeping magazines up and going right now is not easy. Talk about the challenges that you're facing right now. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up certainly with print. I grew up in newspapers. I, you know, yeah, went to New York, worked in magazines, did some work with the New York Times for a time, for a while. So I am very much a print person. But yes, as we know, there are a lot of ways people can advertise now. And digital tends to be cheaper. People tend to think that they can reach more of a mass audience, which is of uh, interest to some people rather than the niche audiences that we tend to have in our magazine. But uh, we we have a very loyal readership and advertisers. Some have been with us for decades, but we we lose we lose people every year. Um, staying in print has I've been going to a lot of different conversations with independent publishers around the country. Most people are foregoing print now at all and doing everything digitally because it's cheaper. Um, we like having our print product because we're thematic and then we put together a package of stories around one topic. We like what that does in terms of giving multiple perspectives on things and allowing people to see things in different ways. Um, and when they, when you read it online, you tend to come in to read the story that you learned about in some way and move on. So we're trying to tell uh, 
a bigger story. Um, so I love print, um, but it is a struggle. Print costs have gone up since the pandemic. A lot of our small business advertisers have, have gone out of business or at least don't have the marketing budgets. So we have had to trim. We used to be a 40-page magazine a few years ago. We're down to 24 pages now, still in print. Um, we've had to cut. We've had 20. In the past, we've had 30,000 copies distributed for free, mostly around the Twin Cities to 550 locations. We've had to trim that. Um, 15,000 currently, um, 440 locations. Um, so we're kind of clinging to the idea that um, we can still provide things in print to people who don't always have access to digital. Um, so... Uh, we're trying to do a little bit of both because, of course, as you know, the younger ones don't necessarily like holding things in their hands <laughs> unless it's a phone. So, <laughs> so we're doing a little bit of both. Um, we've, you know, we've upped the online only stories that we do. I've been working with underwriters to develop some of our content series. Our hometown values and vision is something we, we primarily do online where we're going to other cities around, uh, towns around the, the state learning from them in groups about what their values and vision are. So we're trying a lot of different things, um, but it it's the thing that's going to go uh, if we can't quite turn it around is, um, is print. Yeah. And that would be very sad um, because, yeah, we have been the one that has lasted the longest. And the other thing that's been a struggle is we lost a ad salesperson a couple of uh, five months ago, and that has been hard to replace. So it's just, you know, we could probably be bringing in more revenue than we are if we had more than one person doing it. So it's tough, and um, we're trying, and we've well, had some great um, support, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough tough hole right now which is why well, i'm going to do what i'm going to do right now it, it this is a call to action you guys need to get out there and get subscribed to this and donate to it if you go to minnesota women's press webpage, which is womenspress.com uh you can basically uh, womenspress.com you go there there's a subscribe button there's a donate button right at the top do both of them subscribe donate this is obviously a periodical that we need to keep in print. We need to keep going because there still are a lot of stories. And yes, I think that all of us back in the 1980s thought, oh, well, we'll be over this all soon. No, we clearly are not. We need to actually keep pushing these these messages and get that Generation Z activated in part of these issues as well. Because regardless of who you are, fixing these problems is a benefit for all of us as a society. So that's the important thing. And Minnesota Women's Press is doing a very good job of getting that message out there and that change out there. Once again, it's womenspress.com. Subscribe, donate. I'll put the link out to everything a little bit later on. Mickey, uh, all my best to your son. Travel safe. Uh, <laughs> avoid those trains. And uh, all my best with Minnesota <laughs> Women's Press. And by all means, when you get your next issue coming on out, come on back. Let's talk about it again, okay? Super. Thanks very much, Matt. My pleasure. Mickey Morissette, Minnesota Women's Press. We'll take a break. Come on back. Wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.